Let's pray together. Father, thank you for loving us and for the opportunity that we have to gather together today to worship you and to be in the presence of your church and to hear the word preached. And God, I pray that you would speak to us. God, it really is a privilege and an honor to preach and to help people know who you are. And so God, I pray that you would help us know that today. To truly see you as the great shepherd. And God, I pray that you'd help me to communicate that in a way that honors you and is helpful to us. Because God, the last thing we want is to be blind and worse yet to actually be blind and think we can see. So help us to see you clearly. Open our eyes by the power of your Holy Spirit. So God, would you fill us now in Jesus' name, amen. If you got a Bible, you can open it up to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, we wrapped up John chapter nine last week and Pastor David did a great job closing that out and finishing up the story of the blind guy in John chapter nine. But in John chapter 10, we're gonna just kind of continue in the same story because 10 follows nine, which is obviously uh, true, but it doesn't mean that it's a different story. And so contextually, we're still in the same concept, the same you know, narrative thing that's going on, even though we're in a new chapter. And in John chapter 10, Jesus is going to talk to now these shepherds who were blind and couldn't see that they were blind. And that was what the verses on the screen were that you just saw. Because how many of you know, it's one thing to be blind, but it's another thing to be blind and think you can see. And people who are blind, but who think they can see are the most dangerous people. Because it's one thing to be a blind person and recognize you're blind and to ask for help and help you know, people to get you to where you need to go, which we talked about the blind guy, Jesus put mud on his eyes. I imagine he had to ask people, hey, where is the pool of Siloam? I need you guys to help me. And so he was blind and he knew he was blind. But Jesus was talking to an entirely different group of people, the religious people, who were also blind, spiritually speaking, but they didn't know they were blind, which is what made them so dangerous. I'll never forget when I was a young guy, uh, probably 12, 13, somewhere in that time frame. And I was driving down the road, or I guess I should say I was riding down the road. My grandfather was driving down the road. And he was an older guy because he was a little bit older when my dad was born. He was just about 40 years old when my, my father was born. So this is my dad's dad. So at this point in time, and he's, he's in his mid you know, it's a late 70s, somewhere in that time frame, and he was having medical issues, and he was diabetic, and you know, one of the things about that, your eyesight starts to go. And so we're driving down this road in South Arkansas, and he is not keeping it in between the white line on the side and the yellow line in the middle. He is keeping it in between the two white lines. <laughs> and what I mean by that, he's driving down the middle of the road. He's literally straddling the yellow line and his Ford pickup truck with an eight-track player. You don't know nothing about eight-tracks. You just hadn't lived long enough, all right? And so we're driving down this road, and people in South Arkansas are different, y'all. Like I've said this many times, my parents are cousins. And so, um, but it's pretty standard practice that no matter where you're from, you, you drive on the right side of the road. I'll never forget when I moved here to Georgia, uh, you know, 12 years ago now, I didn't stop at a stop sign, and I told the uh, Holly Springs police officer, I said, I'm sorry, sir, I'm new to this place, you know, I didn't recognize that, and he goes, well, stop signs are the same everywhere. <laughs> You're right, go ahead and give me a ticket. You're right, I mean, like, sorry. <clears throat> and so we're driving down the road, I'm in the truck with my grandfather, and all, the all of the oncoming traffic keeps honking at my grandfather and moving over to the shoulder. Because this isn't just like a country road, this is a highway, it's two lanes, now they've widened it, but at the time it was a two lane highway and my grandfather is straddling 
the middle. And I'm like, Grandpa, you got to get over. What are you doing? And then he starts arguing with me, saying, no, I'm in my lane. No, you're in both lanes. (laughs) And what made him so dangerous is he was becoming blind to the fact of he was not in the right side of the road. He was in the wrong side of the road. But what had made it so bad was he didn't even know he was blind to it. And it was after that, I called my dad. I'm like, Dad, you got to get this sucker some help. He can't see. So we got him some help, and thankfully he didn't drive much after that. And what I, the reason why I'm saying that story is contextually for John chapter 10, again, Jesus is about to introduce kind of a new concept here that it kind of shifts a little bit to, from talking about what was happening with the blind guy. But you have to remember at the end of chapter nine, again, like Pastor David was talking about, he got into Jesus having a conversation with the religious leaders and they asked Jesus a question. Are you saying we're also blind? And Jesus said, I didn't say it, you said it. And then he's going to introduce a subject matter about shepherds to try to help illustrate the point of what he was getting to for them. So let's go John chapter 10. I'm going to read through verse 4, and then we'll stop and chat about it. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Now again, when you're listening to the story of the blind guy, and then Jesus, in his conversation, with the religious leaders, starts talking about shepherd and sheep. You're like, what you doing here, Jesus? But he's picking up on some Old Testament themes. This is why it's so important to know your Old Testament. And this is why we call them Old Testament and New Testament, because what's hidden in the old is revealed in the new. And so they fit together. It's the same God. And so there was prophecies in the Old Testament about what the Messiah would do and who the Messiah was. And one of the the key kind of Old Testament pictures was this concept of shepherds. And so not not only was Jesus coming, and I've talked about this many times before, in fact, we talked about it at Christmas time, that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and that was a specific reason, not just because that was the city of David, but because that is where the the lambs that were to be slaughtered at Passover were born. And so Jesus was born to be the lamb or the sheep that was slaughtered. But he was also born to be the shepherd of the sheep, which is what makes him a good shepherd because he, as a shepherd, lays down his life, although he is acting like he is the sheep. So he substitutes himself. And so Jesus is picking up on this metaphor from an Old Testament perspective. Why? Because he is talking to a group of people that were charged to be shepherds of the sheep. And he's saying, y'all are not doing a very good job. Why is that contextually important to understand with the blind guy. Here's why. Because they just threw out one of Jesus' sheep. See, the blind guy was one of Jesus' sheep, which we talked about over the last several weeks. There was no celebration, no joy from the religious leaders that a guy just got his sight. All they were worried about is trying to trip up Jesus, and so they cast him out. Now, what's very interesting, they cast him out, but here in verse three and four, it says the good shepherd leads them out. In the Greek, those two words, cast out, lead out, are the exact same, but they have different connotations. And here's the context, here's the connection I'm trying to get you to see. Jesus is saying here, I am here to lead them out and you guys keep casting them out. I'm here to lead them out of sin. I'm here to lead them out of death. These are my sheep. I call them by name. 
I'm leading them out. And you guys are using the law to cast them out. Because somehow in your twisted interpretation of the law, you don't think they're worthy. See, what Jesus is doing here, he's calling out the shepherds. He's calling them out. Because instead of putting themselves underneath the law and realizing that they too are sinners, they created this kind of hierarchical system of like, oh, we're not the dirty, rotten sinners, but that blind guy, he is. Remember, he sinned or his parents sinned, and that's why he's blind. So they're casting out people based upon their own standards of self-righteousness. Now, this isn't hard to imagine Christians doing this, is it? Sadly, not in just this, this church, not this, let me clarify, not Revolution Church, but the American church, but the church throughout history, we've seen this. Oh, you're not the right skin color. Get out. Oh, you're not from the right socioeconomic class. Get out. You're not from the right friend. Get out. And Jesus is, is highlighting this story to say, that's not the kind of shepherd I am, and that's not the kind of shepherds that work with me. Because my shepherds act like the chief shepherd. See, and I want you to understand something because I'm fully well aware of what I'm going to talk about today has direct bearing not only on who Jesus is, but me as a pastor. Because the whole idea of pastoring comes from this concept of shepherding. And so pastors, biblically speaking, all are called shepherds. This is why in 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter, who was one of the original apostles, I do not think he was the first pope because that's a whole another concept, but he was a leader within the church. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, he told the elders, he said, hey, shepherd the flock of God among you and do it this way. And when the chief shepherd appears, he will reward you. And so from a shepherd's standpoint, we have to understand my job, and, and, and I could say pastor, uh, parenting is shepherding. There's all kinds, it's not just in the church, but you, you get the concept. But our job is to not only lead people to Jesus, like shepherd people to Jesus, but shepherd like Jesus. So that's what Jesus is picking up on here. He's saying, listen, you guys have missed it because you're not shepherding people well. Now, one of the primary Old Testament references, and I'm just going to read part of this. I don't have it on the screen because it's quite a bit, is Ezekiel chapter 34. If you want to just write this down as a reference, I'll reference back to it a couple times. But Ezekiel chapter 34 is probably the greatest Old Testament reference that Jesus is picking up on here when he's talking about he is the shepherd to the sheep. Let me just read this. Verse one, it says, the, the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God. Oh, shepherds of Israel who have, now listen to this, this is how you know they're bad shepherds, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. With force and harshness you have ruled them. See, that right there is probably one of the best pastoral texts I could give you in the Bible of what the job of a pastor is. He says, so they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered all over the mountains and over every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search for them. Verse seven, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep but the shepherds have fed themselves and not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. The, thus says the Lord God, behold, I'm against the shepherds and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue the sheep 
from their mouths so that may not be food for them. So when Jesus is talking to these religious leaders, he's saying, listen, you're so blind, you can't even see you just kicked out one of my sheep. Because as a shepherd, you keep feeding yourself and not the sheep. So he's calling out the selfish shepherds. And he's helping them understand that there's one true chief shepherd, and that's him. So if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Jesus is the chief shepherd of the sheep. Jesus is the chief shepherd. And this is important to understand because, again, and I, I try to highlight this stuff often because I want you to know um, at how to share your faith and how to have conversations with people. But people will say, well, why is Jesus the only way? Why not Muhammad? Why not Buddha? You want to know why? Because there were times in Muhammad's life and Buddha's life where they were not good shepherds. They were manipulative. Muhammad killed people. There were times where they were selfish shepherds and saw the sheep as there to benefit them, not them there to benefit the sheep. And what makes Jesus unique is Jesus never, never manipulated the sheep. Jesus never lied to the sheep. Jesus always and only laid down his life. So you say, why Jesus? Why? Not only is it because he says here, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, which that means the father. So Jesus is saying, I'm the only one who came the right way. I came through the door. He says, all the others were thieves and robbers. Now, what's interesting in that word there, thief, is literally the Greek word, kleptos. It's where we get our English word, klepto. Now, if you don't know what klepto is, Klepto is someone who steals a lot. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in the presence of a klepto before, but I have. I had acquaintances that I used to run with that we would go into the store and they would just steal stuff for the sake of stealing stuff just to see if they could get away with it. That's why we call them kleptomaniacs. Just people who have this obsessive desire to steal. And it's obviously, it's a mental disorder. But what he's getting at here is, listen, Anybody who comes to the sheep through a different way has the ability to steal from the sheep. And this is where I wanted to drill it down because a lot of you may not think of yourself as shepherds. But think about this. Shepherds are simply anyone who has influence over another. And it's easy to look at kleptos and be like, yeah, you shouldn't steal bubble gum from the store. That's just dumb. You shouldn't do that. And it's real easy to get, again, self-righteous and look down at others and be like, yeah, those wicked people. But I want to give you a, a, a principle for interpreting the Bible. Whenever the Bible talks about someone bad, just assume that's you. Okay? It'll help you greatly with the Bible. And whenever the Bible talks about someone who's good, assume that's not you. Okay? You with me so far? That'll help you greatly. Because here's where I'm going with this. You might not have stole a purse, but you could have stole purpose from someone. You might not have stole diamonds, but you stole dreams from others. God-given dreams that God put in them and you stole it. Why? Because human nature, human nature is to exalt ourselves and to use others to get what we want instead of using ourselves to help them get what they want. Now, it's very easy. Like there's a shining example right now in our world of looking at a bad shepherd. The president of Russia. 
If you're not aware, obviously most people are aware of what's going on. That is the sign of a horrible shepherd. Because he is using his people to advance his own agenda. He is using his authority and power to manipulate people into what he wants. That's the sign of a bad shepherd. And it's real easy to point that out, and we should. But again, it becomes real hard to point it out in ourselves to say, man, how many times have I used my power and influence and I've manipulated others for what I want instead of using my power and influence to bless others? I have stolen from them instead of given to them. I have taken from them instead of served them. So again, when we think about Jesus being the chief shepherd, yes, it is true he is the chief shepherd, but then he becomes an example for us to say, not only do I want to, sh to shepherd people to Jesus, but again, I want to shepherd like Jesus. I want to shepherd people in the way that he did. And again, this is highly convicting, not only because I'm a pastor, and it, it becomes obviously painfully obvious that God allows me for whatever reason to be a part of the leadership of this church to lead you to Jesus. But the huge responsibility on my life is not just to lead you to Jesus, but to lead you like Jesus. <clears throat> and this is where we have to be very careful because you may have heard phrases like, well, the ends justify the means. If we're trying to get to this end of leading people to Jesus, then we can use whatever method we, we want. No, listen to me. The end never justifies the means if the means contradict the ends. So my goal is not just to lead people to a person, but to lead like a person. And that's what Jesus is saying to these shepherds. You missed it. You haven't been leading like I asked you to lead. And so Ezekiel chapter 34, I won't read it, but you can go back and read it later, 11 through 17. Here's what God says to the shepherds of Israel. I'm coming to be their shepherd. All of you failed to do it, so I am going to do it. He literally says, I will shepherd my sheep. And so Jesus is picking up on that and saying, I'm the fulfillment of Ezekiel 34. Now let's keep going. Verse five. He says, a stranger, now he's talking about the sheep, a stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. Why? Because they are blind. They can't see. And what's interesting here is Jesus isn't just talking about the shepherds. He's talking about the sheep. He's saying a sheep won't follow strange shepherds because they don't know that stranger's voice. Now, when we were children, if we had good parents, our parents taught us stranger danger, right? Don't get into the car of strangers. Great. We should teach our children that. And if you have children and you've gone to a playground before and you're the mom or you're the dad and you say your child's name, they can hear the difference between you saying, you know, hey, or you're their name versus someone else saying it because they recognize your voice. Why? Because you have been close to them. You have been intimate with them. And so they know your voice. I am the father of two children. And since I do speak for a living, I, I made a decision a long time ago when my kids were born. I wasn't going to yell for them in public places. I was going to whistle, try to save my voice. So I whistle for my kids. Now, that doesn't mean because I think my kids are dogs. All right. So don't, don't take it like that. I just, when we're in a crowded place, they know my whistle. And even at home, you know, because we like to build multiple story homes out here in Georgia, which I still haven't understood for the life of me because I hate stairs. So they'll be upstairs and instead of yelling for them, I will whistle. And I've said this before in sermons. And when I whistle, 
and they don't have their headphones on playing a video game or something and they hear me, then the response is, yes, sir? Yes, whoever said that, yeah. <laughs> if you're in Jasper and you didn't hear that, someone, I don't know if the baby was saying yes, sir, but it was, sounded perfect, all right? <laughs> but that is the appropriate response, right? And again, I, I'm not trying to highlight that I'm some type of dictator in my house and that my kids are perfect, no. But what I'm saying is, they know my whistle. They know my voice because I have been pastoring them, fathering them. Lindsay has been mothering them. And so if you showed up and tried to whistle, you wouldn't get a yes, sir. Be like, oh, I don't know that cat. That ain't my daddy. Listen, a response to voice shows relationship. Now, why am I stressing this? Because Jesus isn't just talking to the shepherds. He's also talking to the sheep. Because there's been a lot of sheep, listen to me, that had followed strange shepherds. Followed strange shepherds. Because they weren't close enough to the chief shepherd to recognize his voice and distinguish it between a stranger. So when it comes to us as sheep, we have to train ourselves on our shepherd's voice. And how do we do that? You know, I I hear people say often, I wish God would just speak to me. I wish I could just hear the audible voice of God. Do you really? Because in Exodus chapter 20, after God freed the nation of Israel, they did hear his audible voice. And when he was giving the Ten Commandments, he spoke it to them. And the Bible says it was thunder and lightning. It was so terrifying to them that afterwards they were like, hey, Moses, you go talk to him and tell us what he said. I don't want to hear that no more. And so God wrote it on tablets of stone and gave it to Moses so that they could read it. Because in those words written on those stones was his voice. Now, metaphorically speaking, that is what this book is. This book, the Bible, is his words written so that you and I would know his voice. Because he knows that if he were to speak audibly to us, it would scare the living daylights out of us. And so many people were like, I just wish God would say something to me. Well, have you read what he already did say to you? This is why it's so important, as we talked about during our season of abiding, to abide in Jesus, to let his word get in you. Because here's what's gonna happen. There's gonna be other shepherds who come around and say, God told me this. Which again, I, I try to lead in such a way where I don't have to rely on manipulating you into thinking God told me something. You will, and our, our staff could verify this, and feel free to ask them. I work really hard not to come into our monthly staff meetings and be like, well, God told me so. Because how can they argue with that? It's like when you broke up with your boyfriend, you're like, well, God told me. How can your boyfriend be like, well, how am I going to fight with God? Right? So don't use God like that, people. If you want to break up with him because it's not a God-honoring relationship, go to his word and say, God said in his word that we should not be unequally yoked, so we need to break up. You can say that but back it up with scripture, right? And here's why I'm telling you this. You've got to figure out whether or not I'm a strange shepherd. Now listen, I am quirky. (laughs) I am weird. I'll recognize that. I laugh at things that maybe I shouldn't laugh at. I mean, you know, I'm odd. I'm an odd duck. Again, parents are cousins. You gotta give me some grace here. 
If, if something you don't like, let's just blame it on genetic mutation, all right? But here's my promise to you. My promise to you as an under-shepherd. This is why I don't have the title senior pastor. This is on our website. Jesus is the senior pastor of Revolution Church. I ain't the senior. I'm junior. I ain't the chief. This is his church. You're his people. And my promise to you is always to lead you to him and lead you like him to the best of my ability by the grace that the Holy Spirit gives me. But, but you have to, yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. You have to be so in tune with the chief shepherd to recognize strange shepherds, to know the voice of God. Because here's what I know. There will be no shortage of strange shepherds that will come and try and lie to you. And they will always attack God's word. You know, when the devil showed up on the scene in Genesis chapter three, what is the thing that he asked Adam and Eve? Did God really say that? And I don't know if you pay attention to what's happening in culture, but there's a lot of conversations today. Is that really what God said? Well, for 2,000 years, that's what God said, but we're so smart, we figured out that's not really what that verse means. Well, it's meant that for 2,000 years, thank you very much. Because see, and we'll get into this in just a second in John 10.10, 10, there is no shortage of people that will come and appeal to your flesh and try to get you to act, as Jesus said in John chapter 8, into the ways of your real father, which is Satan. See, all of us are born into that. Slavery. This is why people are like, well, it just feels so right and normal. I was born this way. Yes, because you were born broken and a sinner and you have a flesh and there's a world that's going to come around and try to speak to you and manipulate you into a way of life that goes against God's word. And if you and I haven't done the hard work to learn the voice of our shepherd to know, you know what? No, the good shepherd would never tell me that. The chief shepherd would never lead me to do something that's contrary to what he already said. So it's a shepherd, all right, but it's a strange one. It's a strange one. Interestingly enough, let's go back to Ezekiel 34 just real quick. Not only did God talk to the shepherds, he talked to the sheep. Let me read this to you in verse 17. Through verse 24, it says, As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. So not only does he judge shepherds, watch this, he judges sheep. Or sheep. You don't have to say sheep. <laughs> I heard you. All right. Is it not enough? Listen to this. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet? the rest of your pasture and drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet and must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet. Verse 20, therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, behold, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. He's not talking physically here. All right. Now listen to verse 21. I can't make this stuff up, but just picture this. All right. Picture this. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey. I will judge between sheep and sheep. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, which is a reference to Jesus, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. See, sometimes sheep are led away by strange shepherds. But sometimes sheep are scattered by other sheep. Because other 
Sheep were following some strange shepherds themselves. If I was gonna give you another point, I do have more, but I thought of this one after we'd already made everything, so what can I do, you know? But it would be this. Selfish sheep follow strange shepherds. Selfish sheep follow strange shepherds. See, when a pastor falls, the sheep come out of the woodwork, right? And be like, yeah, we knew that. That guy's a jerk. And I'm not saying they're wrong. But it's not just the shepherds that can scatter sheep. It's also other sheep. Because other sheep, did you hear how he said it? Are too busy gobbling up all the good for themselves and they've become fat and they're not serving and sharing with the other sheep. They're eating all the good pasture for themselves instead of sharing it with other sheep. They're trotting it down themselves. They're kicking and headbutting. And how many churches have you seen where fat sheep, real strong, mature sheep, kick out the skinny sheep, kick out the lean sheep? You want to know what fat sheep need? Exercise. You want to know what Skinny sheep need food. And the fat sheep should serve it to them. This is why I have seen people, and I, I pray to God that I'm not becoming this, that have walked with Jesus for 40 years, and yet they're the most unloving people on the planet. The longer they walk with Jesus, the colder their compassion gets for skinnier, lean sheep, for lambs. So in this church, this is why we ask you to attend one gathering so that you can be fed. And again, my goal is that you get good food, whether it's from me or one of our pastors, you get good food. But then... We want you to fill up on that nourishment. I'm like, mm -hmm, that's good. And then we want you walking right into our team member lounge, putting on a serving shirt and serving the skinny sheep that are coming. Because there's a lot of believers that are like, I'm real healthy. And they aren't serving. And we're like, no, you're just real fat. You're not healthy. You're just real big. And how many of you know there's a difference? You see what I'm talking about, spiritually speaking? See, listen to me. This is why Jesus so closely related the two great commandments, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. Because your love for God is only as great as your love for neighbor. And I would even take it a step further. Because Jesus took it a step further. Your love for God is only as great as your love for your enemy. That's how deep your love for God is. Because you and I understand that we were enemies of God and he loved us. So let me ask you this question. This is my other point, if you want to write it down. Are you following the chief shepherd or a strange shepherd? Are you following the chief shepherd or a strange shepherd. Because the chief shepherd will lead us to live like him. To lay down our life. To give. To serve. To exercise the fruit of the spirit that the Holy Spirit has grown in us. Love, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, mercy, self-control, right? But what's weird is in church world, a lot of times, we have built leadership in the church not based upon how willing someone is to lay down their life, but how willing they are to take a position of honor. This is why we say here, listen, if you're not willing to scrub a toilet, we don't want you on our team. As the pastor, 
and my wife, we are willing and we do scrub toilets, pick up trash. And I'm not saying that arrogantly, but I want to hear you say, I want you to hear me say this to you because I am nothing more and nothing less than a servant of God. And my job and your job is to be sheep that follow the good shepherd. What does that look like? Let me give you these last couple of verses and I'll wrap it up and we'll pick back up next week with this. Verse seven, so Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Listen, I wanna church, one of the biggest ways in our culture today that thieves and robbers come is in the form of politicians. You better recognize the shepherd's voice. Verse nine and 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. But verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now again, we'll talk more about this next week, but I understand in verse 10, he used the singular thief. And you've probably heard this verse preached, and I've preached it this way. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's not complete. But when we read that and we think of Satan as the thief, again, he is a thief. But the wrong thing to do is to read that and think that he's the only thief. Because remember context. He's talking about anybody who claims that they can see, but they're actually blind. He's talking about anybody who claims to be a shepherd, but yet they don't lead like he does. So I'm not saying that Satan is not a thief. Yes, he is. I'm just saying he's not the only one. There are billions of thieves. And like I told you before, assume that you are one. Because if we can't see, I use that word intentionally, if we can't see the, the evil in our own heart, then we won't turn to a savior to save us. If we don't see that what Jesus is offering us is so much better than anything else we could ever create on our own, then we won't receive what he's offering. And what we have to do is not only, let me, let me tell you, let me say it like this. You want to know how you can determine the voice of the shepherd? Here's how. Where does it lead you to? See, here's the thing about thieves. They don't just steal from you. It says they, the thief comes to steal, but kill and destroy. That's death. See, when strange shepherds come to us and they lie to us, here's how we can ask, is this the chief shepherd? Is where does this lie lead me to? Does this lie lead me to life? Does this life lead me to good pasture? If I give in to this temptation, does it lead me to good? If it doesn't, it ain't my shepherd. See, that's the test. Is this thing that I'm hearing, this teaching, I've been telling you for months now, all teaching is tied to someone. If this teaching is tied to someone and I'm listening to this teaching that says, oh, just give in to your feelings. Oh, just give in to your flesh. And I don't ask the question, well, what future will that create for me? Where is it leading me to? Then you and I won't have the discernment we need to say, yeah, I don't recognize that voice. Because here's what I want you to hear me say. It's, it's very, it's an it's a interesting paradox. When a stranger comes to you, he or she will say things to you that feel so normal to you. 
but they lead to strange destinations. But when the chief shepherd comes to you, he will say things to you that feel strange to you. Like, deny your cross and follow, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Lose your life and you'll find it. Give it away and you'll have it. That sounds strange. Can we just admit that sounds strange? Anybody who is a tither, it sounds strange that you can actually live on 90 more than you can 100, right? Which is why a lot of you don't do it because you're like, that's strange. No, that ain't the voice of my shepherd. No, it is. And it sounds strange and it feels strange, but ask the question, where does it lead me? It leads me to life. And I say this often. Why does God, do you ever wonder why God asks you to give 10%? Because it's, here's my opinion, because it's just enough to make you mad. <laughs> I'm for real. It's just enough for, for it to hurt a little. You're like, mm, mm. what? It sounds strange. I get it. But when you listen to the voice of your shepherd, and he's gonna lead you to greener pastures, listen to me. Don't argue with him based upon what you think you can see. You're like, I don't see green pastures. I, I don't. You want me to serve her? Do you? You want me to serve him? You know what a jerk he is? Ezekiel 34 talked about David. David was anointed king over Saul and then lived his life on the run for 13 years under Saul. Why? Because God needed to kill the king Saul in David before he could lead as a king. See, God will say strange things to you and it will feel so backwards to the world's way of thinking. But I promise you, he can see with spiritual eyes things you can't. The world says, live together before you get married and you say no. That is not what God's word says. What feels so strange, it'll feel strange. I get it, but it's not strange because he's good. Let me leave you this last point. Strange shepherds steal, but the good shepherd gives. He gives you life and he gives it more abundantly if we'll simply follow him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth that is in it. And thank you, God, for being the good shepherd who you saw from heaven, your sheep being taken advantage of. So you came close so that we could hear your voice and we could see you in action. You are God who put on flesh and dwelt among us. And you never manipulate us. And you always lead us into green pastures. You save us out of sin and save us into celebration. And so, God, I pray that for anyone here today who doesn't know you as that good shepherd, that they would see that you came to give your life for them. That's what makes you good. And that no one else has ever done something like that for them. So no one looking around or talking here as we close, but if you have never trusted in Jesus as your shepherd, and had him lead you out 
of sin and death and leads you into life, then you can trust him today and be saved and have life eternal. So if that's you and you wanna trust him, you can pray with me. You don't have to do it out loud, but you can repeat after me. It goes like this. Say, Father, thank you for loving me that you sent Jesus to be my shepherd who laid down his life for me as his sheep. I am trusting in Jesus now to save me, to bring me out of death. Would you forgive me? I confess I'm a sinner and I believe Jesus rose from the dead and I wanna make him my savior. Again, nobody looking around or talking. If you just prayed and trusted Jesus for the first time and you're in one of our physical locations, we just simply lift up your hand so we can see you. We got men and women that are here gonna put a gift in your hand and when they do, you can put it down. In a moment, you can fill out our digital connection card and give us your information so we can follow up with you. But then those of us who have trusted Jesus, I pray that we would continue to listen to Jesus as our shepherd and, and be the kind of sheep that serve other sheep. And maybe that's your spouse. Maybe that's your children. Maybe that's in the church with the family of God. It doesn't mean that we have to just serve and never be fed. Oh no, we, we have to learn how to feed ourselves. We have to, that's why I said we want you to attend one gathering and serve one gathering. We want you to be fed. But we want you to use that nourishment as God intended to give you grace to then give to others, to bless you so that you can be a blessing. And I pray that we as a church would not only follow the chief shepherd, but like I said, our, our job as pastors is not just to lead you to Jesus, but to lead like Jesus. And we are successful to the point to where we as sheep live like Jesus. So Father, I pray that you would do that, that you would help us to hear your voice and to live like our shepherd. And I ask you to bless us so that we can be a blessing to generations to come. In Jesus' name, amen.